everybody, it's He Yang. Roundtable is thrilled to launch the UniTalk Challenge: Rising Stars of Roundtable. If you like the show and enjoy our discussions, why not take the stage yourself? Calling all university students, both undergraduates and postgrads, to engage in an English discussion on a topic that ignites your passion. Record your discussion, which consists more than one person, and send it to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. You could be the next rising star of Roundtable. An incredible opportunity awaits, so seize the moment. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Yu Shun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, we share with you what's brought us sheer delight this week. Join us for a dose of positivity, laughter, and all things that make our hearts sing in Roundtable's happy place. And we'll have a candid discussion on the rising trend of younger adults participating in lottery activities. Lottery, what was once considered hopelessly uncool, has suddenly become trendy among the younger generation. The question arises: What has sparked this shift in perception? If you missed us on air, we've got you covered on the Roundtable China podcast. Catch us on your favorite podcast platform. And let the good times roll your way. And Roundtable is your place for meaningful conversations. And we want to know what's buzzing in your thoughts. Got burning questions about the world, business mysteries keeping you up at night, or tech that's blowing your mind? Don't keep it to yourself. Shoot us an email or voice memo to ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. Let's turn your musings into on-air magic. And now. Welcome to the happiest corner of the airwaves, Roundtable's Happy Place. Delivery, delivery, delivery. What is it? Happiness from Roundtable. Josh, what do you have for us in this week's Happy Place? Well, I've been listening to a lot of Christmas songs and. I do sing and perform as a musician, and around this time of year, it's very busy, and we are often required to learn all of the classic Christmas songs. But there are some Christmas songs that I've listened to recently that I've found to be quite uplifting and refreshing. And、um, I don't know if you know this band, but they're called Blink One Eight Two. Yes, it's a yeah. They're they're probably the most famous pop punk band.、Mm. They have actually released a couple of Christmas songs. I just find their take on everything to be quite refreshing. One of their most famous songs is called "I Won't Be Home for Christmas," and this is actually a parody of the Christmas song "I'll Be Home for Christmas." And it was recorded all the way back in 1997. So I, I yeah, so I was,、that? yeah, I was, I was too young to hear it back then. But it was released in 2001, topped the Canadian singles chart, and I really like the song because it's basically. As I said, a parody, and it's just talking about how much they hate Christmas. And I really, lo- I really love the lyrics because it's kind of like somebody who's not outgoing and who doesn't buy into 
all of the promo and the capitalism of Christmas and having to buy all the presents and listen to all the Christmas carolers and stuff. And, you know, it, it just made me feel really Christmassy, actually. It gave me a warm <laughs> feeling inside, um, which I think is what Christmas is about. So weirdly, it gave me a lot of Christmas spirit. Yeah. So I recommend you go and check, check them out if you like pop punk. Yeah, I'd say have a listen and, and see if you can stand it and maybe you'll fall in love with it. And that's how I felt. Gosh, was it 20 years ago? It's a long time this band has been around. And also, Josh, are you one of those um, Christmas Scrooges? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. And you wouldn't learn the song that I love the most out of all the Christmas songs. Mariah's Wham? Uh, All I Want for Christmas is you. Um, yeah. Ah, uh, Mariah Carey. Yeah. Yes. And, and there's a reason why these musicians all want a piece of the Christmas music pie because look mm. at Mariah. She's like the perfect example with one song that can sustain her forever. It's like part of her, a huge part yep. of her pension fund and it will go on lasting. <laughs> you think she earned it? Well, she wrote the song and she sang it so well and, you know, it's... So it's... do you think she deserves all, all of that, all of those royalties and money? I mean, if it came from the creative genius of one woman, I say nothing against that. Exactly. You shouldn't. what's your happy place this week? Mm, my happy place this week um, also has a little bit of Christmas vibe. Um, It's a movie that I watched. It's called Wonka. This Wonka directed by Paul King starring Timothy Chalamet as our beloved Willy Wonka and Hugh Grant as an Oompa Loompa funny little man is still based on the um, extraordinary character at the center of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And it tells the wondrous origin story of the world's greatest inventor, magician and chocolate maker. I'm not going to spoil the plots of this movie. What I want to say is that the movie revolves around the themes of um, love, magic, and chocolate, of course. It's narrating a heartwarming as well as humorous story with a little bit of thrill, just like a cup of hot cocoa with a pinch of popping candy. My favorite line is the one that Wonka's mom told him, every good thing in this world started with a dream, so you hold on to yours. This is the beginning of the movie and is also the thread that runs through this entire story. So I think the plot and characters is giving audience a rich and sweet experience, but from a perspective of humorous and innocence. And by the way, I really like the main theme music of this movie called Pure Imagination. Um, before the movie, I listened to a cover by a Chinese singer, Joanna Wan, Wang Ruoling, oh. and it was also very amazing, I think. So both the movie and the music, I really recommend you to check them out. Go watch it, listen to the soundtrack, maybe with a cup of hot chocolate to have a taste of warmth and happiness. Oh, that's lovely. And Willy Wonka is one of those characters that you see generation after generation mm. of actors would play. <laughs> right. And so it makes it one of those fixtures in um, pop culture, at least in the English world. So... You see Timothy Chalamet, you know, this mm. young actor who's really quite enjoying the moment. He's in so many big productions these days. And, uh, you know, uh, the latest rendition of this classic character. And I want to share with you the enchanting world of Jane 
air at the National Theater for the Performing Arts. This theater performance in Chinese has enjoyed lasting popularity in China. The production marks the 18th round shown in China in the last 14 years. And yes, we've seen generation after generation of actors uh, and actresses pursue these roles. And um, it's interesting to see it's relevance and resonance with today's audience. Charlotte Bronte's Jane Eyre was monumental due to its groundbreaking portrayal of a strong female protagonist and its challenge to conventional Victorian norms. The novel's impact has endured over time, making it a classic in English literature of the 19th century. While not explicitly a feminist work, Jane Eyre touched on feminist themes by portraying a female protagonist who sought independence, self-respect, and equality. And the character of Jane was revolutionary for her time. She was an independent and strong-willed woman, challenging the traditional portrayal of women in Victorian literature. Her resilience and assertiveness in pursuing her own path, despite societal expectations, makes her an unforgettable character and also to see her on stage. Uh, When you go to the theater to watch it this time, you would also be very impressed by the innovative stagecraft, a truly visually captivating production. And this play uses this idea of stage montage and the dynamic set design contribute to a visually stunning and compelling experience, which you kind of need to see for yourself. Well, I have to admit that seeing it on stage was pleasant, but it was not without some drawbacks. One is, well, there are these cultural and linguistic challenges Mm. to adapt the play into Chinese and translating Jane Eyre into Chinese may lose some of the original cultural and language nuances. And more noticeably, it's really kind of wordy in Chinese, and the historical context of Victorian England might not immediately resonate with a modern Chinese audience, affecting their emotional connection with the characters. And also, there are so many shifts in social values, which might make it kind of difficult and challenging to connect with the characters. For example, Mr. Rochester, the Byronic hero, quite typical one, I would say it was just kind of difficult to understand why Jane fell for him, at least in my point of view. I mean, yes, he's the typical, you know, a man, proud, moody, cynical, with defiance on his brow and misery in his heart, a scorner of his kind, maybe, and yet he's capable of deep and strong affection, but modern day, it was just very difficult to understand why Jane would fall for him. Let's just put it that way. And also the crazy woman in the attic. We've seen way too many times in history when a woman wants to speak her mind or when she's trying to defy societal norms and uh, and she gets put in an institution and be called crazy. So, you know, your empathy kind of goes towards that lady instead of Jane and these uh, main characters. Anyway, so in today's world, I think there are some challenges to sort of 
set this up on stage and make it truly connect with your audience. But all in all, don't miss out on a performance that weaves powerful narrative and um, these genuine emotions that have been portrayed by the wonderful actors on stage. And Pu Chunxin, a very well-known uh, actor on stage these days. He's in his 70s now, so it's wonderful to see him live, and that is my happy place. Coming up next, some young people are looking for a lucky break in lotteries. We discuss right after this break. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang, and I'm joined by Josh Cotterell and Yu Shun in the studio. When it comes to games of choice, lotteries have a universal appeal that transcends borders and cultures. From the excitement of picking numbers to the thrill of winning life-altering jackpots, Lotteries have captured the imagination of millions around the world. 2023 is a big year for the lottery business in China. It has seen a major rebound since a noticeable dip in 2020. From January to October, cumulative nationwide lottery sales soared to a record-breaking over 476 billion yuan, or 66.6 billion U.S. dollars, reflecting a remarkable year-on-year growth of 53%. Rather intriguingly, when examining the demographic purchasing lottery tickets in 2023, young people born in the 1980s and 90s, or the Chinese millennials and Gen Z, have emerged as a newfound customer base, bolstering lottery consumption. What signs are becoming more evident, indicating that the younger generation is not only paying attention, but also opening their wallets to participate in the world of lotteries? Yeah, we can see nowadays lotteries are attracting more young people in more diverse ways, with lottery stores popping up in supermarkets, subways, and even as pop-up shops. For some young individuals, the allure of lotteries extends beyond the temptation of wealth, but also bringing a sense of joy and ritual to their lives. A lottery store owner mentioned that there are more young faces in the store recently, with groups of young people visiting every day. And also, the popularity of lottery can be seen from the sales figures. Yes, aside from the, you know, the whole sales of lottery. From January to October, we can also see there are state-owned lottery institutions are mainly divided into welfare lottery and sports lottery, and both of these two types have increased. Um, among them, welfare lottery increased 30% with 160 billion yuan, while sports lottery institution increased 68% with about 315 billion yuan. Josh. Give us some figures and thoughts on the lottery's popularity uh, ebb and flow internationally. What do you see? Well, it seems that there is an observable shift in lottery participation um, in the UK, in the US, in Europe. According to the National Lottery, which is the biggest lottery body in the United Kingdom, there's been a substantial increase in engagement among 
younger age groups, mm. especially millennials and Gen Z, um, who are more willing to participate and I guess try their luck. And actually, the recent figures revealed that individuals between the age of 16 and 24 make up 36% of the overall lottery player base in the United Kingdom, um, which is a, a really noteworthy rise from previous years. And th there's several reasons that um, the National Lottery themselves have stated why this happens. I think one of the reasons is because the jackpot is bigger. Um, there's obviously the allure of multi-million pound or dollar jackpots um, which is a massive motivator um, and then also I think there's more sophisticated marketing strategies as well mm. I think that lot lotteries are now able because of increased accessibility with able the ability to purchase tickets online they're able to grab the attention of different groups and have more targeted advertising that's going to bring um, more younger audience in whereas mm. before this wasn't the case yeah well let's face it just about everybody at some point probably have fantasized about winning the lottery, especially a really big one. For a long time, lottery mainly appealed to middle-aged and older customers in this country. Um, and Josh has mentioned that there's this trend of a much younger demographic who are purchasing lottery tickets. And what about here in China? Explain why it's kind of happening as well. Well, first of all, I think, as Heyang, you mentioned that I think everybody has that kind of hope for overnight wealth. You know, more people buying lottery tickets must still have the kind of hope of making big profit of unexpected windfalls. And also, um, more and more young people are saying that this is becoming a form of stress relief. Many buyers play with an entertainment mindset not placing too much emphasis on the outcome. So people are enjoying this tense and exciting feeling by buying this cheap thrill because, you know, buying a lottery ticket doesn't cost that much. The cheapest ones are only two yuan and that's only about 0.28 US dollars. And the more expensive ones range from 20 to 50 yuan. That's only about three to seven US dollars. However, it brings a tense and exciting feeling similar to opening a you know, blind box. <laughs> um, and some people find the sound of, of scratching the lottery. You know, maybe this is nowadays the most popular lottery ticket we may find. This, this sound of scratching is very stress relieving. And some people even live stream buying and scratching these lottery tickets on short video platforms. And these videos can be very popular. Yes, these scratch-off lottery tickets are very popular and perhaps they're the most visible kinds of um, lottery activity that young people quickly sort of pick up because you've got sort of these more traditional kind of customer bases that conduct these activities in their own home and you just don't know what they're doing. But this is a noticeable trend among young people and it's garnering uh, attention on social media as well. Apparently, it's a trendy gift to give your friend as a birthday gift or let's say a new couple just getting married instead mm. of giving them a bouquet of flowers, fresh flowers. Sometimes people give them 
a bouquet of lottery tickets and they、mm, can scratch、right. them off later. And that apparently is a fun activity.、Um, Josh, do you understand any of this?、Um, we don't judge, but it's fine to have you know, the pros and cons discussion. Yeah, well, I, I think that you know, it's really feeding on、uh, this dopamine hit, really, you know, that you get with this opportunity to, to win. And I think that. You know, if you have self control, that's fine. And it can be、uh, a little thrill, a little kick.、Uh, I, I know that in the UK, although we're talking about younger generations, a lot of elderly people as well, they enjoy buying a ticket and they may have the, the same numbers that they choose every week and something like this. And it sort of, you know, it's kind of communal in that sense. It's almost social, I would say, you know, because you get to watch the results every week on the television and、um, you feel part of something. So I guess that's quite nice. But yeah, definitely there's something to be said for being careful with this and、uh, you know, not, not getting too hooked on it. So、um, I, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with it unless you maybe are prone to becoming hooked on that thrill. Yes. And also, I think、um, the key point is about moderation. You know, relaxing and entertaining in moderation can probably help people release their stress through. You know, maybe in this case, buying lottery and scratching these lottery tickets, while excessive indulgence and losing control can have the opposite effect because、um, some people may be addicted to the feeling of,、um, you know, having a wish of winning these jackpots. And、um, they may, you know, thinking about this all day and not doing anything else but to buy tic- a lottery ticket then. It will be a problem for them.、Mm. Well, despite billion dollar jackpots, which you see in the US, and these very lucrative、um, lottery results that go s to just one person, you know, here in China, as you see from time to time, critics say that the lottery is a losing game. They have been found to place A disproportionate burden on low income individuals and families, and they have also been criticized as an inconsistent way to fund public programs that do not adequately boost public spending. And these are some findings from these studies in the US. Well, when you think about it, a relatively small proportion of lottery players accounts for most sales, and this is in the US. Those with lower incomes who gamble may do so more heavily relative to their incomes because they derive more value from dreams of wealth and the sense of that in this pursuit, at least, their chances are as good as anyone's. And、uh, a few studies that I've looked into also point to that the low income neighborhoods and minority. Neighborhoods tend to sell more of these lottery tickets. Yeah, so there could be this critique that there is virtually no chance of coming out ahead. The lottery is akin to a massive transfer of wealth that rarely benefits those in need. And it's absolutely crucial to see where the money goes. And here in China, we've seen more discussion about. Possibly more supervision about where the money goes.、Um, as we see in China, gambling is illegal in China, but the country's state run sports lottery and welfare lottery have enjoyed huge success since they were set up in the 1980s. And when you think that 
this money is going to public services, to um, elderly services as such, in a way it almost sort of makes it more of a positive sell. But like you guys mentioned, it's really important to keep in mind that moderation is key and, um, and addiction can develop from this, which I don't think anybody wants to end up on that losing end. A portion of the revenue from lottery sales in China enters the central and local government finances in the form of lottery public welfare funds, constituting a form of non-tax government revenue. As lottery sales rise rapidly this year, local governments are under increasing pressure in making the funds dedicated to public welfare programs. So tell us where the money from lottery sales go. Yes, as you mentioned before, Heyang, we have state-run sports lottery and welfare lottery. So as the name suggests, the money from welfare lottery tickets is used more for social welfare, while the money from sports lottery tickets is used more for sports events and activities. And more specifically, the income of lottery tickets includes three parts, lottery prizes, lottery issuance fees, and lottery public welfare funds. So lottery prizes, um, obviously are returned to the lottery purchasers as winning prizes. We can see some lines um, showcased in lottery shop billboards saying that jackpot accumulated to X amount of yuan is actually accumulated through buyers purchasing one ticket after another. And lottery issuance fees are used for mostly the cost of selling lottery, for example, um, the lottery agency fees and equipment expenses and system maintenance fees, ticket printing fees, something like that. And most importantly, lottery public welfare funds are social welfare funds raised for the country used to support the development of social welfare. For example, the funds for national social insurance, disability support, poverty alleviation, culture, cultural and legal aid, um, large-scale sports events and other social welfare undertakings. Um, most of the time, the allocation of this fund is jointly decided by the central and local governments with a common ratio of 50 to 50 and sometimes 60 to 40. It is utilized for various social welfare expenditures. And for example, on a 2 yuan lottery ticket, you can see a line saying, thank you for contributing 0.72 yuan to public welfare. So we can see, you know, the purchasers can see how much of their money has been used for public welfare. For a lot of people, it might just feel like a Hail Mary. It probably won't work, but you feel like it's one of the easier options. But I still like to highlight one point that is for your long term financial peace is probably most commendable and safe to save up little amounts over a long period of time. Doesn't sound thrilling, doesn't sound sexy, but that's just the safest and healthiest way to do things. And amid the thrill of chance, maybe look at a balance of excitement with rational financial decisions so that the pursuit of luck aligns with long-term financial well-being. And that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you so much, Josh Cotterell and Yushun for joining the discussion. I'm We'll see you next time. The mother put the porcelain spoon. The mother drew back and poured the little girl back. But the mother did not hear the old voice. The mother.
Experience the heartwarming story of a mother's love that knows no bounds, titled The Mother, written by Nobel Prize-winning author Pearl S. Buck. It's a story of love, sacrifice, and the universalism of motherhood that transcends race and borders, told through an account of an unnamed mother living in rural China in the early 20th century. Get the audiobook right now at radio.cgtn.com or any major podcast platform. Simply search for the Books and Beyond podcast and key in The Mother.